0: Good morning and welcome to the Bible Broadcast. I'm Mark Lindley, preacher of the Chapman Church of Christ. I'm very glad you're in the listening audience this morning. I hope the things taught on this program will be helpful to you. Before getting into the study, I would like to invite you to our services at Chapman. We meet each Sunday morning for Bible study at 10 o'clock. Our regular worship hour begins at 1045. Then we have another period of worship each Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. We also meet each Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock for a midweek Bible study. We would be honored for you to visit any of our services. We cordially invite you to come and be with us any opportunity you have. Thank you so much for listening to the program this morning. I am persuaded that all professing Christians agree that we should do what the Bible specifically teaches. Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. John fourteen fifteen. John wrote, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5, 3. These verses and others make it clear that Christians must do what God has specifically instructed us to do. But how should God's people respond to God's silence? Some take the position that what is not forbidden is permitted. If the Scripture does not specifically forbid a certain activity, then we have the liberty to engage in that activity. Is that true? How should God's people view God's silence? This question is vital. We must get this right. The Bible says in First Thessalonians 5 verse 21, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. If things not forbidden are permitted, then any addition is allowed. Virtually anything a man wants to introduce is permitted if God's silence is a type of license and permission to act. But on the other hand, if God's silence is restrictive then one disobeys God by doing what is not specifically authorized. One who follows the first of these principles will end up at a much different place spiritually than the one who views God's silence as restrictive. For just a few moments, I want to consider with you the theme God's law of silence, let's consider how we should respond when God is silent. Consider, first of all, what the Old Testament teaches. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, we find this statement given to the Old Testament people of Israel. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Notice God said to the Old Testament people, do not add to the word I command you. So the people of Israel were not allowed to make additions to God's specific instructions. If they did, they would be in violation of Deuteronomy 4 verse 2. But then the scripture says, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. They were not allowed in the Old Testament to take away from what God had said. If they did, they were in violation of Deuteronomy 4 verse 2. And then the verse continues, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. So God specifically said, do not add to my word, do not take away from my word, but keep my commandments. Keep that which I have commanded. We have a similar statement in Deuteronomy 12, verse 32, what thing soever I command you observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. God says in this text, do as instructed. Do not add to my word. Do not take away from my word. These passages make it clear that the Old Testament people of Israel were to do as instructed without addition or subtraction. But I want to remind us that the things written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope, Romans 15 verse 4, while we do not live under the Old Testament. We learn from the Old Testament, and we learn from Deuteronomy chapters 4 and 12 that in the Old Testament, God's silence was restrictive. When God was silent, The people of Israel were not to act. We have examples in the Old Testament which teach this same principle. Consider, for example, Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu were priests of God. And we learn from this reading that they offered strange fire before God. What was strange fire? Well, we might speculate about that, But whatever we might say about the term strange fire, I know this, it was a type of fire that God had not commanded. I know this to be true because Leviticus 10.1 says that they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. So God did not command this type fire. Well, what happened? Leviticus 10 and verse 2, And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu violated God's law of silence. They did what God had not instructed them to do. They took it upon themselves to offer a type of fire that God had not authorized and they died for their transgression. There are other examples in the Old Testament which teach that God's law of silence is restrictive. When God has not spoken, we do not have the authority to act. This principle at stake is a common sense principle we practice every day. Consider, for example, going into a restaurant and you place an order with the waiter. You say, I want fish and fries. Do you then have to specify, now when I say fish and fries, I'm not talking about chicken and I don't want steak. I'm not here to order a cheeseburger. Do you have to go through the whole list of food items and exclude all other possibilities? Well, certainly not. If you say, I want fish and fries, it's understood that you want these items and nothing else. If you go to the doctor and you're having some stomach pain, and the doctor says it's your gallbladder. I need to perform a surgery. And on the day of the surgery, having finished that surgery, the doctor comes into the room and says, Well, I, I took your gallbladder and I performed heart surgery. And then you were to say, Heart surgery? I didn't say I wanted a heart surgery. You said nothing about a heart surgery. Suppose the doctor then said, well, you didn't say I couldn't do heart surgery, did you? You didn't specifically exclude a heart surgery. We don't operate that way, do we? We understand this law of silence. It is a common sense principle we practice daily. And this principle is upheld throughout the New Testament. We today live under the New Testament. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, we find this same principle, the same principle that we see back in the Old Testament. The principle of Leviticus 10 verses 1 and 2, that principle Nadab and Abihu violated in offering strange fire Consider the words of Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. All that we do is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul writes, Whatsoever you do in word, that would involve all that we teach. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, that involves all that we practice. He says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. To do something in the name of the Lord Jesus is to do it by his authority. And we dare not add to God's word or take away from God's word. When God is silence, we do not have the license to engage in that activity about which God is silent. Now, this is a practical principle when it comes to doctrinal matters today. Consider the matter of music in the worship of the New Testament church. In Ephesians 5.19, the Bible says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, some will say, where does the Bible say thou shalt not have a piano or organ, guitar or drums? Does the Bible specifically condemn these things? No, the Bible doesn't have to specifically forbid the use of instruments of music. When God says to sing and make melody in your heart, that excludes making melody on an instrument, doesn't it? God was specific. He gave us the instrument we are to use. It is the heart. We are to make melody in the heart. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, we find that early Christians partook of the Lord's Supper each Lord's Day. The Bible says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Notice, disciples in Troas came together upon the first day of the week, to break bread, that is, to partake of the Lord's Supper. Since each week has a first day, this is the authorized time for observing the Lord's Supper. But, someone might come along and say, but where does the Bible say thou shalt not partake of the Lord's Supper on Thursday evening? Where does the Bible say that we can't observe the Lord's Supper quarterly. We don't want to do it every Lord's Day. We believe it will lose its significance. Well, the Bible tells us when we are to observe the Lord's Supper, and that excludes other possibilities. When the Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, we learn that baptism, Bible baptism, involves a burial in water. To be baptized biblically is to be immersed. But someone might say, where does the Bible specifically say, Thou shalt not have water sprinkled upon your head as a form of baptism. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't specifically condemn sprinkling. However, sprinkling is condemned in Colossians 2.12 when we have the inspired definition of baptism. Buried with Him in baptism. That's what the Scripture says. All other possibilities are therefore excluded. We don't have to read that pouring is prohibited. We do not have to read that sprinkling is condemned. We only have to read that we are to be buried in water. This principle is vital, friend, when the Bible teaches us that we are to do a certain thing, then we must do what God has said without addition and without subtraction. Let us, therefore, speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. Thank you for listening to this program. This program is brought to you each Sunday morning by the Chapman Church of Christ If you have Bible questions or comments, or if you'd like to have a free audio copy of today's lesson, please contact us. You can write to us at Chapman Church of Christ, 250 County Road 550, Ripley, Mississippi, 38663. You can reach us by phone at area code 662-837-7012. You can find us online at chapmanchurch.com. Also, look for us on Facebook and YouTube. We're out of time for today. Please tune in next Sunday for another message from God's Word.